mistake. Good morning. Hey, great to see you all. I'm so glad to be sharing with y'all this morning. I'm excited. We're going to be in the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, like the last Bible page that's Bible and not uh, other words and such. So go ahead and turn there. Um, and as you do, I'm James. I'm one of the pastors here. I am so excited to be here. Let's, let's get this thing going. Uh, we're talking about Revelation 22. We are finishing off a 20-part sermon series on Revelation. Uh, so congratulations. You have faithfully endured a, a, a drudgery through Revelation that we have, we have faith. We've enjoyed it together, right? It, not a drudgery. No, no, never a drudgery. It's been a journey. It's been a hard journey. Uh, Revelation's hard. Okay, it's okay. This can be a confessional time. Is Revelation hard? You, you, you don't usually study it on your own, right? The pages might not have been fully separated in your Bible from ever before this. And so, so this, is a, this is a journey that's been great. Uh, Revelation's exciting because it promises blessing more than any other part of Scripture, more than any other book in the Bible. There's this promise of blessing through reading and keeping the words of Revelation. And so uh, if you've been tracking with us for the, the past 20 messages, which haven't been necessarily the last 20, but over the past year, 20 messages of those, congratulations, blessing is on the way. And if not, you can go and watch those online. Uh, we got you, okay? Catch up. It'll be great. So uh, we do a podcast. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you guys should definitely check it out. There are tens of listeners across the world. It's, it's, it's amazing. Chris does it uh, with Katie Sass and uh, Joseph most of the time, but I, I pop in here and there. Uh, it's, it's a great time. So definitely ask questions. There will be a number on the bottom of the screen throughout the message. You can text your questions to that number, and we'll answer those. It makes it much better when you've got great questions that you guys actually care about. So please send us your questions. Um, and so what I love about this chapter, what I love about this part of Scripture is that it really does this thing of uh, closing off the whole narrative of Scripture, right? Like Revelation 22 really brings the whole story of God, what He's done in the world through creation. He, it brings it all the way to completion in Revelation 22. So I'm excited for us to look at that together today. Um, but what is that big story, just in case maybe this is your first time? So in the beginning, God created. And it was? Good. Good. So we got a lot of kids, so I'm going to try to be very interactive. Kids would love, if you get answers, uh, your parents owe you candy, okay? Lots of, <laughs> like, extra, <laughs> making enemies already, it's good. Uh, so definitely shout out your answers, that'd be the best thing for you to shout out, but if there are others shouting out, uh, we'll celebrate all those things too. Uh, I'm, it, this is a beautiful day for us to be together. So in the beginning, God created and it was good. good. Okay, keep track for the candy counter, guys. Uh, and, but, but then after a very short period of time, there was this, this thing called the fall. And what happened there? Man Sin. sinned, rebelled against God. They decided to go their own way, right? Through eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they sinned, they rebelled. And since then, we have been groaning together in this broken world where things are not as they should be where death and sickness and injuries exist because of sin, where enmity and hatred towards one another exist because of sin. And so sin has marred the creation, and uh, God saw that, and he said, I'm not okay with that. I'm not going to leave it how it is, so I'm going to make a way to make all things right, to make all things new. And so he sent his one and only son, who is that? Jesus, Jesus to come 
Good job. Live a perfect life. Die the death on the cross that we deserve so that he would take on all of the punishment for sin on himself. He would give us all of his righteousness freely for those who would believe. It's the great exchange, this beautiful thing. And so we who believe in Jesus have the right to become children of God. There's this, this awesome thing that Christ has done. And it's awesome, and we get to enjoy that now. And there's, there's part of it that's already the kingdom that is already, but there's also this not yet part of the kingdom, right? Where God is going to come and he's going to make all things new. And we, we can trust that Jesus is coming soon. He's coming again and he's going to make all things new. And so uh, the part of Jesus in all of this, we have in a shirt, it's handy and dandy. Uh, Jesus came, he died on the cross for our sins, he was buried, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and the arrow that's not on here is he's coming back, he's going to make all things new. He's not just giving up on creation, but he's going to make it all new. So, kids, everybody, our big message today, if you get nothing else, Jesus is coming soon. And this is great news for all of us, that, that Jesus is our Savior. He's the one that we can put our hope in. He's the one who's worthy of all of our worship, and he's coming soon. And this is great news for all of us because we tend to put our hope in things that aren't Jesus. And we, we cling our hope. We put all of our hope onto these wrong things. And what happens is that leads to a lot of disappointment. So, for example, yesterday, I'm playing fantasy football. Uh, I'm in the championship of my family league. It's like I, I can either win $70, because we all put in just $10, so nobody gave up halfway through, or I could win $20, and all of that is kind of depending on my matchup this week. And so I've got like a, a couple of star players uh, that, that didn't go down to injury, and I'm really counting on them. And, and last night, Jonathan Taylor, he only scored 10.8 points. It was incredibly disappointing for a great game where he had 108 rushing yards, he disappointed me. He didn't come through. And so if I put my hope on somebody who's not going to come through, if I put my hope in a job that's not going to come through, if I put my hope in a Christmas present that's not going to come through, I'm going to be disappointed. And and there's going to be great sadness and despair to where I can't even enjoy watching a great football game because I'm just worried about this other thing. That's not good. And so don't put your hope in a person. Don't put your hope in a present. Don't put your hope in uh, anything besides Jesus and that he's coming soon. And so um, you guys have heard about this before, but it, but it can be hard for us to believe this, right? When, when we can't see Jesus, right? Like we, we know Jesus came. We know he, he did all the things for us and we're excited for that, but we can't see him now. And so we get frustrated, and so because we can't see it, we start to doubt and we start to get frustrated there. Uh, and, and we start to say, man, maybe it's not going to be that soon. And, and we get really disappointed, really frustrated there. Or we get impatient, right? Like the elephant in the room is, uh, okay, Jesus is coming soon. It's, when was this written? Oh, t- 2,000 years ago, and we're still waiting? What is it, what's the deal here? What, what is this soonness? What is this soon that you're talking about? And, and the idea of Jesus coming soon. We can know that he's coming. And we, we don't want to put our hope, this, this idea of Jesus coming soon can be confusing to us when we start to get wrapped up in, okay, so when's it going to be? And, and I didn't want to say this here, but I'll say it here. There's two mistakes that we can make on Jesus coming soon. We can overpromise and say, I know exactly when it's going to be. I'll put it on a billboard. And then you're going to look really foolish, right? Because you're going to overpromise and say, here it is. Or we can underpromise and say, you know what, we don't know when it's going to be, and so just do what you want. Eat, drink, be merry, you're good. 
and then we're going to be unprepared. And so the, there's mistakes on either side of there, that of overpromising or underpromising. But we can know that this uh, imminency of Christ, imminency with an I, right, uh, that, that he is, it's soon. It could be any moment, right? And, and Chris likes to say it could be now or now. Or, okay, and you could just keep going all day. So we, we got other words to say, so I won't, I won't keep doing that. Uh, and, and so eventually we just stop waiting because we get so impatient and we kind of just give up on the thing. And so uh, do not lose heart. Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's pray. God, uh, we need you. We love you. We pray that you would use this time in a special way as we are gathered as a big church with uh, big and little people in the room. And uh, we're excited for what you're going to do. We pray for... Uh, you to make this useful for all people in different ages and stages, and um, for you to use me, a a broken man, uh, to share your word in a way that makes sense, in a way that uh, gives encouragement, in a way that gives life. I pray, Lord, uh, for you to do that, because I need you. We all need you for that. Nobody wants to hear anything that I have to say. They just want to hear from you. And so would you use this time in a mighty way to make us more like you, to help us to really see and know that you're coming. We love you and we trust you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Revelation chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit in each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Okay, so... There's this great river of the water of life. And this should maybe remind you of something. Uh, Maybe the tree of life. Does that remind you of any other story that's in the Bible? Maybe like on the opposite side of the book? Right? Genesis, creation. There's the river of life. There's the tree of life in that same story. And so it's what we're seeing is this restoration, this making new of the paradise that was broken back in Genesis 3. And what we see is this, the river of the water of life, uh, it's going to be bright, it's going to be beautiful, it's going to flow from the throne of God and of the Lamb. All of life, all of eternal life, it flows from God. It flows from Him. We can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, and all of life in eternity will flow from uh, Jesus And so this is cool because last week we talked about Revelation 21 where he'll wipe away every tear. He's going to right every wrong. And there's this beautiful thing that happens there. But there's also this amazing thing where we see like there's like a tree and like nature and stuff. It's not just going to be like a sterile, beautiful, perfect city that you can't touch anything in. But there's there's actually like life there too. And there's this beautiful thing that's happening uh, in this heavenly city where paradise is restored. Everything is that was made wrong is restored. It's made new. And there's this tree of life with these 12 different kinds of fruit that like are blooming in each month, right? So like in January, you might get something. In February, it's something else. And, and there's this beautiful fruit that's coming from this tree. And then uh, there's these leaves that bring about healing of the nations. And as we hear about international news, a lot of times it's like, I just want to skip right past that stuff because it's usually pretty dark. But we know that in the end, the curse is going to be lifted, and that we know that there's going to be healing for the nation, so we can look forward to that. Come on. Amen. Okay. Verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed. The curse of sin will be gone. 
So if you've lost a loved one, you know this, this, this like you, hope is greater, right? That there will be no longer any curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Who are his servants? Come on, kids, you want the candy. Who are his servants? Us? Yeah, absolutely, that's good enough. Angels will also be in there. Wow, way to go. Good job, that is correct. Which we'll see in a minute, there's also an angel that identifies him in there. I'm a fellow servant with you. And so it's going to be everyone who is serving God, worshiping him forever. Us, the saints, the Christians, all of those for, from all time who have been saved by grace through faith in our God. So we're, it's going to be exciting. We're going to get to worship him. Now, when I say worship him, what does that mean? What does worship mean to you? Praise him, okay? And a lot of us, when we think about that, we think like, okay, does that mean like we get to sing? We get to sing really loud? Yeah, yeah that's what we think about, right? We think like, I'm going to sing and it's going to be amazing, right? But worship isn't just about singing. Mind-blowing thing. Worship is also the easiest way for me to describe it for all of us children and big children. Uh, it's, is this, that it's putting God first in your heart. Is keeping God first in your heart. If, if you're worshiping him, you're keeping him first in your heart. Because it's easy to gravitate towards these other things that get exciting and start to put that thing first in our heart, and our heart's deceptive. It starts to put those things first in our heart, and so we have to say, no, no, I'm going to put that thing to death. I'm going to worship him and him alone. And what I get so excited about is that we get to see his face. In all of scripture, when we see anybody wants to see God's face, he's like, hey, bro, you can't handle it. You will die. Like, it, it's not going to go well for you if you see my face, but we're going to have glorified bodies, and we're going to be able to see him face to face, and we're going to be able to worship him in a way that we can't right now. And it's this exciting, amazing thing that we get to do together. His name will be on our foreheads. He's going to be our whole identity. And there's not going to be any more night, right? Anybody scared of the dark, kids? No more night, no lamp, no sun. The Lord our God will be our light and we'll reign with him forever and ever. So there's this great hope that we get to see God's glory. We won't need any sun. We won't need any cell phone flashlight action. He's going to be our glorious light and he's going to be everything because we're going to see him for as glorious and beautiful as he is. And we'll get to reign with him forever and ever. There's this victory in Jesus. And it's, it's this reality, this truth that we will get to experience in the new heaven and new earth. And so what we see here is that Jesus is coming soon to make all things new. If you're taking notes, this is a good thing to write down. Jesus is coming soon to make all things new. Now, a lot of us in the room, we got something new yesterday or the day before recently. We've, we've bought something new. We received it as a, as a gift. And uh, anybody get a, a present that you're excited about? You can shout it out. Charizard toy, plushy Charizard, okay? It's amazing, right? And if you carry it around with you everywhere you go, it's going to start to look a little bit less uh, fresh and new and exciting, right? And so you're going to need some great cleaner to clean it off. But, but ultimately, there will be some restoring that even the best cleaner in the world can't do. But God, he can restore things and make them new uh, to their original condition and even better in ways that we can't even imagine now because we're, we've only known a broken world. So Jesus is coming soon to make all things new. And as I was thinking about ways to kind of talk about this, I thought uh, restoring a picture is a great example. I don't know this guy. I just pulled it off the internet. 
So don't, don't come at me and say, who is this dude? Uh, it was the first one that I saw, and I loved it because they took a picture that's tattered on the side. It's broken. There's some signatures on there. And they didn't just, like, fix what's tattered and broken, remove the, the s- signature and stuff. They, like, made it, like, new and made the colors pop in a way that, that it didn't hear because it had also just faded. And so they, they brought it back and made it new and even arguably better than the original. And so there's this, this amazing thing that happens here. Uh, what was damaged is no longer damaged, but it's all restored. And we see this uh, also with cars, okay? There, there can be cars that are like junkers, right? And you're like, what, what would you ever do with this thing? And maybe you would never say that, and you're like, that's blasphemy, James, that you would even say that these are junkers. But that's what I see when I think of these, right? And, and they weren't running. They're just like terrible, ugly cars. But like, Somebody saw them and said, you know what, I know what those were supposed to look like. And like, I'm mechanically inclined, and I, I know how, to, how they originally looked, and I'm going to bring them back to how they used to look, and I'm going to make them run again, and I'm going to make them beautiful as they originally were, if not better, right? Because modern technology, you could probably beef it up a little bit more, make it more exciting. Um, and so I, I think about, like, I identify with this picture of like, this is kind of how I feel a lot of times, but God sees me and he says, you know what, I'm going to make you new. I'm going to bring you back to how I designed you to be, and I'm going to help you to not just look good, but I'm going to help you to run. Nice. And I'm going to help you to go because you're mine, and, and I didn't design you for this life. I designed you for this, and I'm going to bring you to it. So we can put our hope in Jesus coming soon to make all things new, to restore all things. Verse 6. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent, me, sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. God's word is trustworthy. God's word is true. We can trust it, especially uh, the book of Revelation. Why did we get the book of, the Revela- of Revelation? Why did John see this angel? God sent him to show his servants. That's us, Remember? what must soon take place. There's this idea that these things are going to take place soon. And then again, we see this promise, and behold, I am coming soon. God like belabors this point. I am coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. It's almost like he wants us to really recognize as we look at the last pages of the Bible, he's coming back. He's coming soon. And that is where my hope needs to be. Uh, And that's where it it has to be for me to survive the pains of life. The heartbreaking realities that we face, we have to cling to a hope that is greater than anything we can place our hope in here. So even if, even if you don't get the job, even if the, the marriage is falling apart, whatever it is, you have a hope that's secure that's beyond yourself. And so we see that Jesus is coming soon, and here's a promise of blessing. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. What does it mean to keep the words of the prophecy? It means to read them, to understand them, to know them, to be looking forward to this day that Jesus is coming soon. So this is an exciting thing. Uh, Verse 8 says, I, John, am the one who heard these things and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. You might be like, man, that was really foolish. John, you're worshiping at the feet of an angel. 
I was worshiping at the feet of Jonathan Taylor in fantasy football, and I was really hoping for something great that didn't work out. We worship at the feet of the wrong things all the time, so as it's easy to say, John, come on, man, you, sh- you know better. What are you doing? We, we find ourselves doing this. Maybe we don't fall on our face, literally, but spiritually we do. Our, in our hearts we do. And, and there's this thing, that, like maybe there's a present that you didn't get, and you're crushed about it still. And you're, you're still waiting for that present to come through. And you're still hoping, man, I, I just r- wish I really would have gotten this one thing. And that's a terrible place to put your hope. <clears throat> but he said to me, you must not do that. The angel knew. He said, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you. So over here, yeah, I am a fellow servant. The angel, fellow servant, uh, along with John and along with the prophets and with those who keep the words of his book, of this book. And here's the instruction for us all. Worship God. This is what we should do. And so we have this great hope that Jesus is coming soon to be worshiped forever. And this is where we have to place our hope. That he's coming soon. That he's going to be worshiped forever. That everything that keeps us from worshiping him completely right now is going to be removed. There's going to be no more curse, no more sin, no more darkness. Every tear will be wiped away and we're going to get to worship him forever. It's not about singing louder, though that would be great. It's about keeping him first in our hearts, keeping him first in our lives. So will you worship him? Because if you worship anything else, you're going to crush yourself, you're going to confuse yourself, and you're going to crush the object of your worship. So kids, don't worship your parents. They're broken. They, they, they're messed up. They're going to fail you. And... And their job is to represent God in a major way in your life, but, but not to be your God. It's to teach you how to worship God. And as, as they teach you how to worship him and him alone, uh, they can't worship you. So parents, don't worship your kids. Uh, and if they fail, that's okay. They're going to fail. And that's a, that's a good thing. That's okay, because they can't handle that weight. They're not the object of your worship. But don't put them as number one in your heart, but instead keep God as number one in your heart. Fight for that. Keep that. And the way that you keep that is you keep his word. You study your word. You spend time in God's word. You spend time with him, and he reorients our life to where he will be the center of our worship, just like he will be in this heavenly scene. And so uh, there's, there's a lot of things that will change in the new heaven and in the new earth, but the one thing that will not change is our worship. We will worship our God forever. So practice that by keeping him first in your heart right now. Verse 10. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Don't keep this book hidden. All the things that you've received from me, John, I need you to share it. Why does it it need to be shared? The time is near. There's this time that's coming that... We, we don't want to seal up these words. It says, let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. It's not just like, hey, I, I'm giving up. It's like fatalistic, like, well, the one who's evil is going to be evil. The one who's filthy is going to be filthy. The one who's righteous is going to be righteous. The one who's holy is going to be holy. It's, it's saying, hey, present these words to people like today. Like the reason we have these words is that John preserved these words, that he didn't seal them up, but he shared them so that we can hear the word, so that it can be preached like this, and so that people can decide, hey, do you want to 
do you want to go and continue in this filthiness, or do you want to pursue this righteousness, this holiness with God? Because there is still time for you to decide, hey, I want to follow. And at least it feels like a decision to us, right, of of I want to follow you, God. And I want to pursue you. I want to worship you. I want to put you first. And he says, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense, repaying each one for what he has done. And this is talking about uh, the saints here, right? Like other earlier parts in the book of Revelation, we're talking about uh, the judgment that's coming, right? This is talking to the saints that, that there will be rewards for the good that you've done. And like I, I, say, I, talk, I say rewards and I like feel the cringe internally of like, ooh, I don't know if we could talk about that. Like, is that a thing that we, can we go there? And I think there's, there can certainly be a group that overemphasizes rewards and makes that the center of your focus or worship. That's not, the, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying God talks about rewards so we can talk about rewards. And where rewards give us great hope is right here. Anytime that you've lost something for God, it's not wasted. He's not going to waste your hurt. He's not going to waste your heartbreak. He's not going to waste your pain. The things that you've endured as you've shared the gospel with friends and you've lost friends, as you've shared the gospel with loved ones and now there's this weird chasm between you and the people you love uh, for, because you've, you've tried to pursue what God would call you to do. Maybe the job that you declined or you left because it was forcing you to compromise morally, that's not wasted. God sees it, and he will reward you. He's going to bring his recompense with him to repay the saints for that which they've done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I'm eternal. I've always been. I'm always going to be. I'm God. Jesus is saying these things. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the, to the tree of life that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So here's another blessing, those who wash their robes. How do we wash our robes? Trust in Jesus. That's right. Trust in Jesus to wash your robes. That way, when we trust in Jesus, we become a child of God. There's that great exchange. We get his perfection. He takes our sin. He pays for it completely on the cross. We get to enter the gates of the city. We don't have to try to sneak in, which won't work anyways. We we get to enter by the gates because we, we belong there because we're children of God. We have the right to the tree of life. Outside are those who have chosen not to right? Those who, uh, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. They've gone their own way. They've gotten what they wanted. They're in the darkness. They're outside. Verse 16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Jesus sent an angel to John to deliver this message so that he could have this hope. Uh, and 
he's saying, hey, I'm the guy. I am exactly who was promised through uh, the prophecy in the Old Testament. I am the long-awaited Messiah. That's what this language, the root, the descendant of David, is from Isaiah, the morning star. Uh, he, he's using this scriptural language to say, hey, I am the promised Messiah. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. We should say that together. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. And, and even within this, this apocalyptic letter that John has written to the churches, he's, he's giving them this, this evangelistic invitation. So this is why, like, when it was, uh, it wasn't just the fatalistic verse of, like, hey, if you're filthy, stay filthy. If you're holy, stay holy. He's giving an evangelistic invitation here. It says, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. There's this water of life that you can come and you can take without price. This eternal life that is a free gift for anyone who would believe it. So if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, my plea for you today would be for you to believe in him, for you to trust in him. Because he's going to be able to satisfy your soul in a way that nothing in this world ever could, nothing in this world ever has. Jesus, he brings the water of life and he is offering it to you right now without price. Trust in Jesus and be saved. If you want to talk to me more about this afterwards, I would be happy to do so. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. He's going to satisfy us. There's this abundant life that we can enjoy in him. Verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. So don't mess with God's word in general, but specifically (laughs) Revelation, if you add words like you're like, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff in here. I could probably add my own crazy and nobody would ever know. Uh, don't do that. It's not going to end well for you. You're going to get the plagues, which were pretty terrifying uh, in, this, in this book. So there's like a, a, a pretty solid payback. So don't do that. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Now, <clears throat> every, every generation has this this problem, this issue of what might we try to take away from God's word, of what, what part of God's word, the counsel of God's word, might we minimize or might we kind of hide or put it in the background? Because there, there might be cultural issues, there might be different challenges that come where we'd say, you know what, it's, it's easier to just avoid this whole part of the Bible. And maybe like personally, you're like, you know, I don't really teach people, so I, that doesn't apply to me. Well, it's, <laughs> as you're reading scripture, like the parts that like kind of like convict you and you just like move on past like, that is, that is how you are uh, not taking away from this, but that is how you're deflecting from God's word, having its effect on your soul, which is intended. And so don't do that. Don't, don't uh, just move on past the things that are convicting and go to the ones that are really convicting about somebody else, <laughs> right? You, you, don't just, you don't just camp on the ones that really apply to your neighbor, right, and say, yeah, they need to hear this, right? But we, we want to uh, hear and be keep God's word, be trained by God's word, be corrected by God's word. And uh, this last part is a part of great hope. Again, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. And then there's a prayer from John, amen, come Lord Jesus. I'd love for us to say that together. Come, Lord Jesus. We, we are eager for you to return, God. We, we want you to come and make all things new. Uh, and we're even more excited about that than Christmas. 
we're even more excited. Like, the second Advent is going to be exponentially more exciting than the first Advent. And, and we, can, we can get excited for the day that all things will be restored. All things will be made new. Amen. So come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. So, third point here. Jesus is coming soon to satisfy those who keep his word, or to keep it short, word keepers. He's going to satisfy us. He's going to, John 10 talks about this abundant life. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly, right? The enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so there's this satisfaction that God can bring us that's even greater than winning your fantasy football championship, that's even greater than your kids uh, getting a full-ride scholarship to college, winning all of their leagues and sports and being the MVP, right? There's a, there's a greater satisfaction that comes from, from him than any of those things. And he promises it to us who would keep his word. And so if you're struggling right now, don't lose heart. Don't put your hope in things that aren't going to satisfy you. Don't, don't lose heart when your kids are running crazy. <laughs> don't lose heart when, you're, when you didn't get the gift you were hoping for. Don't, don't lose heart when your Charizard gets his head chopped off accidentally, <laughs> right? Wow. It might happen. Not, not on purpose, of course. God's going to make all things new. He's going to bring it all to fulfillment in him. If it happens, I'll buy him a new one. He's good. All right. So let's, let's look forward to his coming. Let's live for him. Let's be people who keep his word. That, that would be my prayer, our prayer for us as we wrap this series. And, and here's the deal. Jesus is coming soon. That's, that's a fact. It's reality. Are you ready? Don't don't under-promise and say, you know what, I don't know when it's going to be, so forget about it. I'm just going to lose heart. I'm going to just start to hope in these things that I can see. Don't um, over-promise and put it on a billboard. That would be foolish, right? But we know that he could come at any moment, and we eagerly await that day. And the way that we live that out is we, we live as if tomorrow's not promised, because it's not. And so we can be faithful with what God places before us today. We can keep his word today and enjoy him today, be satisfied in him today as we're training to put him first in our hearts as we worship him forever. Amen? Amen. And one way that we do that together as a church is through taking communion. And so uh, if you have a little cup nearby, uh, definitely grab one of those and I, you don't have to take it yet, but I'm going to explain it all what it is first, okay? So we have this, this bread, right? And this bread represents the body of Jesus, that he would give himself, that he would give his life, that he would break his body on the cross for us. We have a great hope in Jesus, that he would give himself for us. And so this body represents the body, this bread represents the body of Jesus, that's been broken for us, okay? Don't eat it yet. This blood represents this wine or this grape juice that you have in your little cup represents the blood of Jesus, the blood of the new covenant. 
that he would secure a way for us to have eternal life with him through shedding his blood for us on the cross. So as we remember this, let's not just remember, um, let's remember all that he paid for us. And before we take this communion for the next 30 seconds, what I'm going to do is we're going to have a time for you to confess your sins. And you don't have to say anything out loud, but you're going to sit and you're going to reflect quietly. So you might remember all that Jesus has done to secure a way for broken people like me and like you to be right with him. So let's take the next 30 seconds to pray and confess. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We're so grateful for the sacrifice you made for us on the cross. We know that you forgive all of our sins that we confess before you. Help us to know that forgiveness in our souls today. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now what you're going to do is you're going to take the little wafer or the bread. You're going to eat it. This is Jesus' body broken for you. Take the grape juice and drink. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you for the great love that you have for us, the great sacrifice you would make for us for going to the cross and dying for our sins. I pray, Lord, as we eagerly await your return, as we eagerly await your coming back, Lord, that we be people of hope, people who trust you, people who put you first in your rightful place because you are worthy of all of our worship. You're worthy of all of our trust. We belong to you. We thank you for making a way for us. We're desperate to see you continue to work in our lives and in our hearts. Would you help us to worship you? in spirit and in truth. Would you help us to belong to you, to know that we belong to you in a new way. Help us to enjoy you right now. Lord, I thank you for this time. Pray that you would use this in each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, on the day after Christmas, I am not trying to steal all of your joy from all of your presents. I'm not trying to be the Grinch here, okay? But I'm trying to say, if you put your hope on the flimsy things of the new toys and the new things of even great things like your kids, like your parents, like your spouse, they will not come through. There's one who will come through, one who is worthy of all our praise, and his name is Jesus. We place all of our hope, all of our faith in him, He is our Savior. He's the one we worship. And so as you go and enjoy the good things that he's given you, keep him first in your heart. Go and be a people who worship him as we train ourselves for eternity. Go and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.